0: After over eight years of focusing on conversion optimization for dietary health supplement funnels, we've split-tested everything from a simple headline tweak to a complex price test. Some things do work every single time. Those go into our best practices playbook. But the ugly truth is that there is no one single trick that will massively move your conversion rate. The secret is in doing the basics really, really well. In this podcast episode, I'm going to break down the basics into four lessons learned after optimizing over $100 million in client sales funnels. Welcome to Health Business Mastery, the Creative Thirst Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Hewitt. Most marketers know their customer demographics. Some marketers have written customer personas or avatars that list out what TV shows their customers watch, how much their household incomes are, and how many kids or grandkids they might have. All of that is practically a waste of time. It's good to know for buying traffic, but it won't get you conversion lift, at least not when selling a dietary supplement. To propel you into the eight-figure realm, you need to have an understanding of your customer. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you don't need to know your customer. But just knowing their age and their interests will not get you very far when scaling a supplement funnel. What's more important is to know their hopes, their fears, their frustrations, and what drives them to buy your bottle of turmeric after buying four other brands. That kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff you can't learn by making a customer persona document. Or worse, that's the kind of stuff that you make up when you're trying to just do an exercise of a persona document for the sake of it. When you really know your customer, you can express their problem better than they can on both an emotional and an intellectual level. That's a really key point. Once you do that, they will trust and believe in your solution. This is why the first building block of basics is knowing the customer. And the best way that we found to uncover that level of understanding for our clients' customers is through a combination of open-ended online surveys and one-on-one phone interviews. Some of the best sales copy comes from word-for-word from those interviews. There's gold in the exact words that your customers use to describe their problems, hopes, and concerns. That's the kind of thing that you can only get from soft quantitative data. At the end of this podcast, I'll reveal some of the open-ended questions we ask in those surveys. But for now, let's get on to the basics number two. Selling the cure. Now granted, you can't use the word cure or even imply it or for any condition or disease. That is simply not compliant. Although many marketers do cross that line, that's a personal ethical choice that everyone needs to make on their own. Regardless of where you stand, selling the cure is different from making a claim. When I say selling the cure, I mean tapping into their pain. Prevention and incremental wellness doesn't sell. Everyone in the supplement space that's been here for a while knows that. People buy urgency. Immediate need versus long-term benefits is where they spend their money. If it's too easy to put off or takes too long to see and feel results, people won't buy. That's just human nature. Sure, there are always exceptions. If you have someone who's highly motivated, um, they may take your offer. But there's not enough of those people to build a business on. Ask yourself what emotions are at the root of their pain. Not the actual pain or uh, diagnosis or uh, symptoms, but the actual emotions. At the root of their pain. Or better yet, go talk to a few of them and find out. Because emotions drive decisions. The first step is to know which emotions are important. And the second step is to trigger those desired emotions. This is how you tap into the subconscious mind of the buyer. The lower process of the brain is where emotion comes from. This is why we must use stories, metaphors, and imagery to tap into them. That part of the brain is not the same part of the brain that forms language. So if we're selling to the unconscious mind, we must speak in terms that the unconscious mind understands. Only after leading the subconscious to an emotional buying decision... Do we then appeal to the higher level of the brain, the neocortex, to justify the decision through logic and reasoning? That's the unique mechanism part of your sales letter, but the emotion must come first, then the science after. The third part of the core fundamentals is all about the offer. The offer is one of the most powerful levers for conversion. And we'll get deep into offers and offer structure in a future episode. For now, I'll just cover it briefly. A strong offer does not just include the price. Although that is part of the offer, and there's so much more to it. Uh, Some things like risk reversal, does the guarantee really remove all risk, urgency, is there really a reason to buy right now, value, what's the value of the benefit and how does it compare to the price, because price and value are two different things, objection handling, what objections can you displace or alleviate for the prospect, and bonuses, what add-on is so valuable that it could be a product in and of itself. All of these factors go into making a strong offer. A quick rule of thumb is to ask yourself the question about your offer. Do you really make it harder for your prospect to say no than it is to say yes? And the fourth and final piece is using both proof and science together. Most direct response copywriters simply lean on a logical argument with scientific studies, testimonials, or a guarantee to support proof. But that's not enough in today's marketplace. The sophistication level of most buyers in the supplement space is pretty high. Most forms of proof are not very different than what all the other competitors out there are saying. Both proof and science are a very important part of selling dietary supplements. Proof makes prospects feel comfortable. You can almost never have enough proof. Science, however, satisfies the logical part of the brain that justifies the decision. So done right, it answers the question, how? How does this supplement work? How is it different than all the others I've tried before? How will that solve my problem or help my condition? But you must also answer the question, why? Why will this work? Always remember both how and why must be answered when selling supplements. It's a combination of proof and science together. Before you lead on with that proof and science, you first have to enter in emotionally. This goes back to the previous point it's all about the basics. The secret to successfully selling dietary supplements in the online direct-to-consumer space is to master the basics. You'll find this in every art, from music to painting. It's all about being really good at the basic stuff, and that's the part that's so hard to do. Just doing the basics and doing them at the level of mastery are two vastly different things. Everyone gets distracted by the shiny object and the new thing and the one trick that's working for everybody else, and most people overlook going back to the basics and really mastering them. Before we wrap this episode up, I promised to go back to some of the questions that we ask in open-ended surveys and really get to the heart of that emotional state of the buyer, so let's go into that now. There are many ways to frame this survey and really get the survey in front of people. Uh, The fastest and quickest way is using something like Hotjar. Hotjar has built-in polls where you can ask someone uh, a question or a series of questions uh, at different states. If they scroll down to a certain percentage of the page or if they try to leave the page, it pops up this poll question. And there are other tools out there besides Hotjar. Um, that also do the same thing. But if you're using a tool like Hotjar or something like that, where you're doing a poll question that's on a sales page and you're kind of interrupting the person uh, as they're leaving so they're not going to buy, they're likely not going to buy, and they're looking to get off of the page, then I would suggest you really only have a a small window to to get uh, a question from them because their motivation is really low. And they're declining on the offer. So I would limit that to just one question. And the one question I would ask there is, what, if anything, is stopping you from completing this order today? And I would simply leave it at that, an open-ended question, and see what kind of data you get back. Oftentimes you'll be surprised at what you learn from this simple one-question survey. However, if you do want to go deeper, I recommend dividing the survey up into a buyer survey and a non-buyer survey, and getting that survey in front of people uh, via email. So this requires a little bit uh, of work on your back end, where you would tag the people if they um, have purchased a product, any product uh, from your website, or ideally the product you're looking to optimize and a second list of just opt-ins you've maybe never purchased before. So you can get in front of each one of those segments and present different questions and also look at the answers differently uh, on the outcome of those surveys. So let's get into some of the questions. And all of these questions are, I recommend, open-ended questions. So they would have to fill in... Um, Their answers. This is really the way to get the most gold and value out of it because you're looking for not only the answers but you're looking for the language that people use. And in addition to that, you're looking at who specifically on the survey answered uh, more than other people, meaning this these five people uh, wrote way more than other people. Maybe they wrote more as far as word count and looking at the actual word count of each answer and comparing that to the average. The people that write more are some of the people that you want to talk to. You want to take that survey to the next level and you want to reach out to those people and see if you can do a one-on-one phone interview. We conduct one-on-one phone interviews all the time. And we do incentivize it, so we do pay um, the people for their time, because the one-on-one phone interviews last at least 45 minutes to over an hour sometimes. That's quite a bit of time to ask for someone. Uh, So we we compensate them with an Amazon gift card. Those one-on-one interviews are more like a conversation it's not a series of questions like the survey questions that we're going to be looking at in a minute it's more of a open-ended conversation and really kind of digging deep and and leaning on in uncertain on areas uh, and pulling back on others really trying to find the emotion really trying to find the belief system uh, that's already in place in their mind So without further ado, let's get into those survey questions. I like to start off the survey with a super simple, softball, easy question. I want to get a little micro-commitment from the survey taker because they are open-ended questions and it is asking a lot for someone. So the first question I ask is simply, are you a man or a woman? This is a question that keeps their head down. They don't have to think about it. They can immediately reply. They just click click one of the two choices. The second question I'd like to ask is really just a question kind of for me. It's because sometimes you do, the list is not always clean. So uh, the next question I ask is, have you purchased uh, X product before? And you know, name the specific product you're looking to learn about. And a lot of times when you think your list is clean and you're sending it to a list of buyers, uh, sometimes people will, will reply, no, they have not purchased that before. And you want to know that because their answers are going to be, um, you're going to analyze their answers a little bit differently from the people who bought versus the people who didn't buy. Then uh, everything else after those two questions are typically open-ended questions. They're always open-ended questions. And this is where it really kind of gets to the the heart of it. Um, There are four uh, standard questions that we ask the, the first one or the next one in the series is uh, what problems or challenges uh, are being caused in your life because of blank right and that blank is the problem that your health supplement is looking to solve so you know for example if it was joint pain what problems is joint pain, joint pain causing in your life um, if it's heart health, you know, if it's diabetes, if it's blood sugar, you, you would alter the question to fit uh, the product category. The next question um, it, most people think is silly, but it's really um, kind of sneaky. The next question is what would you ultimately like to happen? Now, most people uh, think, well, obviously, I want the Condition to go away. I want to to be better. But what you're fishing for here is more information. You're fishing for the language patterns that that they're using. You're fishing for um, deeper than simply removal of the problem. So you need to uh, not only ask the question, but kind of frame it in a way What would you ultimately like to happen? if you could remove XYZ problem, um, please be as specific as possible. And I would put that in uh, sort of brackets so that they can expand upon their answer. The next question in the series is, what have you tried so far that hasn't worked for you? I want to get a sense of their, their struggles and challenges and we want to take a look at those brands that they mentioned that they've tried before that hasn't worked, and specifically into what those brands' marketing messages are telling them. This kind of ties back into the marketplace awareness and sophistication episodes uh, a while back, the two part episode there. Knowing this information really can frame how you uh, position yourself and position your marketing copy. The final question. I ask, well, it's not really the final question. We'll get to that in a minute. But the second final question I ask is, what worries you? What are you concerned may happen if you don't do something immediately? So this is, again, kind of one of the questions where you want to ask them to be as specific as possible. And this is also kind of digging for that goal, digging for the language patterns that they use, um, and you want to key in on those things specifically from this question uh, into your sales copy. The final question, which I kind of alluded to, is one in which we use to get people to talk to on the phone for those one-on-one interviews. And the question kind of goes like this. Uh, Lastly, I may follow up with a few people personally... To learn a little bit more about your situation. If you'd be open to chatting for a few minutes on the condition that I promise not to sell you anything, please uh, leave your name and email below. And that's it. Then there's an email field, name field, and you can even put a, a phone number field as an optional field as well just to see how many people are more serious about it. Like, So if they leave their phone number, uh, if it's an optional field, then you know that you have a very high likelihood of talking to them and they are um, at a little bit higher kind of value of a person. So you also want to take a look at the answers that they filled out in the survey. And uh, this is where you have a chance to cherry-pick and see who you do want to talk to. You can base it on the quality of the answers. You can base it on the number of words that they replied in the answers. Um, Whatever criteria you want to use, that kind of goes back to the responses you get and the um, questions that you ask, really. <clears throat> but and ultimately, in the end, um, you get a lot of data, unexpected data, from this type of survey. And that really is uh, the goal and the key here. You'd be very surprised. A lot of uh, clients that we do this with are not open to it. in first, they think we, we, we've done it before, we've asked people surveys, but very few have asked people surveys questions like this, and very few people think that people are going to fill it out, uh, especially with no incentive, because that's another important key. I don't incentivize these open-ended surveys, but I do incentivize the phone calls. And the data we get back is really extraordinary and insightful. Um, it's it's always surprising to me how much information we get, and about the, inf- the amount of information you get. If you get um, about, we're looking for a hundred to two hundred replies here. Some cases we've only gotten um, under hundred fifty to eighty, but realistically, that that is possible, and the the information that you're going to get from this is really going to be invaluable in driving and directing uh, some A-B tests and really insights that go well beyond the demographics and psychographics of your customers. I hope that helped, and I hope you implement at least some of these survey questions and see what you get. Let me know if you do, and let me know some insights that you've learned. Creative Thirst is a direct response digital agency focusing on conversion rate optimization and A-B testing. We work with dietary supplement companies who are struggling to maximize the profitability of their funnels so they can scale. Through the last seven years in the online health space, we've optimized many dietary supplement businesses. And in that time, we've uncovered the three critical funnels for success. We put together that information in a free digital download called The Three Funnels every health supplement business needs to build a multi-million dollar empire. You can get that free report by going to creativethirst.com. Scroll down to the appropriate section and click on the blue get your ebook button.